0: Hi, this is Mike Farkas reading from my book, Phone Slaves. Welcome to episode 13, season 2, entitled Pep Talk with Swami, which sees Mook and Swami back at their favorite pub, the Sweaty Melon. The books of poets needn't be legible to laymen, not to be a snob, it's a fact, A man can stand and express himself perfectly and yet be completely misunderstood by the world, and within that misunderstanding, fashion himself a context of paradise or a hell of his own design. I think my book is so mixed up because I'm so mixed up. So write about feeling mixed up. What are the things mixing you up? Instead of thinking you are mixed up, write the mixed upness down. Is it work? Is it love? Is it pee? It's a little of everything, man. It's the sheer treachery of waste. In youth, we don't realize the mad rush we are in. A man comes to a point in his life where he needs to slow down from the run, walk off whatever might be cramped, and enjoy the head rush of life. That's why it's so sad when young people take their own lives. They never got to come down from the illusions of youth. But I can't seem to tell it in once upon a time form like a fashionable story. Sometimes I wish I could touch base like when we were kids and shout, Ollie Ollie Oxen Free! So put it in your book, man! Tell it like it is! Mook contemplates his future at Forsure Telecom. First, he contemplates his stout his pint being the brighter of the two futures. It's a mess. So, you have begun. Oh, joy. Oh, hallelujah. Mook smiles at the waitress and points at Swami. The waitress pauses a half second. No more Jameson for this guy. The waitress smiles. She doesn't miss a beat, says Mook. What's the book about? Is it about work? Am I in it? No one is in it. Even my own person is not actually in it. All my characters are composites. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not disappointed. I was just interested. It's become a habit I want to nurture. But to call it a book, I don't know. I picked up Black Spring by Henry Miller and was blasted by the sheer force of his ability. Then after a few pages found myself wondering... Is this guy maybe a real lunatic? Like a crazy screaming in the streets. And wondering, where did it come from? This waterfall of words. How he can hose on and on tirelessly like that. And I realized he must have gotten a kick out of it. That he was getting high off his own crazy. An endorphin rush not entirely unlike when I make a sale which got me wondering whether I enjoy my phone slave job more than I do writing. What if you just enjoy them differently? For completely different reasons, in completely different dimensions. They are so different in terms of activity type. Why bother comparing? An artistic endeavor, whatever it is, will never be an office job. It's about what you put into it. Phone slavery has revealed to me that work is work. In writing, you can experience moments of cathartic euphoria. In sales, you can experience a contact high or a power rush. Which got me wondering if maybe I need the phone slave job in order to keep one foot planted in the real world while I wander with my other in my preferred pseudo-psychonautic days searching for meaning through wordplay through writing. At least you're wondering and not wandering Maybe I attempt everything the way I approach an artistic endeavor. By telling yourself you will never live up to your heroes? What's your problem? I see what you mean. It's like a self-deprecating masochistic pattern of thought. It's an attempt at humility gone awry, which doesn't serve you. It distracts you. Or if it does serve you, it serves as a form of distraction. You should see that about yourself. I'm like a kid who simply doesn't understand my own powers. I know I have them, but I'm not quite sure how to use them for my own good, never mind the greater good. Is there a greater good? Well, the good of the children. Sold, but is it like a play or a novel? I don't know what it is, Swami. I've decided not to care too much about its identity or genre or mine. Do you feel you've given up part of your identity? I feel my identity has always been skewed, or at best, misaligned, thanks to my genuinely backward, primitive East European heritage, compounded by an allergic reaction to my own senses. I needed to use drugs in order to learn how to toggle between my inner and outer senses. Interesting. Care to elaborate? My parents had a hard time nurturing an artist child in a meaningful way. They were genuinely unimpressed by me. You know, they were genuinely unimpressed by modern art. If it wasn't Michelangelo or something classical, it was a piece of shit. By comparison, my younger brother was an academic achiever, and I'm a sensitive person, so I felt throughout my childhood that my parents' respect for me was tempered greatly by their superior respect for my brother's achievements. In hindsight, after having performed for children as a daycare minstrel for 20 years, I can see how certain kids need more and others less. I was a need more kid. I don't know if either of my parents were equipped for a need more type child, especially trying for a first time parent. Philosophically, my parents gravitated toward the hard knock school of pragmatism, which states that whatever it is you might want to achieve in this world It is going to require some cleverness, cunning, and cash. But why have you lost your ability to play for children? Have you lost that identity of daycare minstrel? Well, I don't perform much anymore, and yes, but fundamentally, no. I could do it tomorrow and serve up a musical buffet of educational entertainment reflexively. Exactly! You've still got it! You are more than the sum of your parts. Obviously. What are you getting at? You can do more than one thing. You're a real news flash. How many things are you doing, aside from yoga classes and hunting for fresh romance? I completed my psychology degree. I'm a certified PhD, I'll have you know. Good answer. So, like, what are your sessions like? One-on-one? Mostly, yes. I aim to specialize in the treatment of phobias through roleplay. You must be good at that. Like D&D. You assign them a character? Hmm, depending on their phobia. Do you use dice? No, but that's a fun and clever idea. Roll for initiative. You win. You were always the best storyteller, Mook. Remember that time Dingo killed Frankel with a plus-four fart? And Frankel cried. That was so mean of Dingo. I remembered it as me leading that session, but come to think of it, you're right. It was Dingo who killed Frankel's fighter. Don't worry about Frankel. Our boy turned out to be a regular Richie Rich. Oh, yeah? What did Frankel end up doing? Wasn't he going to be a social worker? He got into social media marketing and cleaned up with his partner, Lenny. Anything I might have heard of? Lots of things you've heard of. Most notably, the Apple Eyebret, which is the latest craze. I've seen circles of people wearing them doing some pretty intricate battle scene moves. Are they for playing games, mostly? That seems to be why kids are buying them, but apparently these things carry certain health benefits and can be used for more adult applications than traditional gaming. What's the name of his company? Moon Twang. Really? Truly. Good name. We should call Frankel. We should get together for a campaign for old time's sake. He's probably on an island sipping pineapple juice and rum from a coconut. True What were you saying about drugs helping you toggle between inner and outer senses? What about Rachel? What about her? Have you seen her since you broke off? Only for returning each other's possessions and other such unpleasantries. You haven't fucked since not Rachel. You salchien Ow howl swami. Oh. Who is she? Whose daughter have you stained? Asks Mook. Rachel's younger sister, Heather. You've got to be kidding me. Can't make this shit up. Does Rachel know about this? Heather hasn't told her yet. My God, man, maybe you should before she does. If I were to set up a meeting and make a big deal of it, that would give her the opportunity to point at me and call me all sorts of things. It would make me look like I'm trying to rub Rachel's nose in it, like some kind of maligned narcissist. If I just play it cool, Heather will tell her, and hopefully in a way that doesn't incite jealousy or animosity between them. How young is Rachel's sister? 27. Four years between them. Wow! 27. The younger sister. Robbing the cradle. Oh my god. I can't even remember what a 27-year-old pussy feels like. Very much like a 47-year-old pussy, but with half the brains. The melon has come to a fever pitch, thus fulfilling its promissory sweat. The axemen take turns trading bars to tag the number with a searing recitation of slide and finger-style guitar fury. Dark wizards conjuring spirits from a lower plane, while the rhythm section volts to stop like a Porsche sliding 180, but not before tucking itself into an impressively tight spot. These guys are amazing, says Swami. The associates, the best. But I have to get out of here so I can deal tomorrow. The associates downshift for a paddle through a muddy water's medley. Mook runs to the back to give the boys a wave and a thank you. They appreciate Mook and smile to acknowledge his wave. Ejecting themselves from the biodome of perspiration that is the sweaty melon, back out into the urban tundra like two stray embers of charcoal tossed from a hibachi, Mook and Swami find themselves half-stunned and mildly toasted. Appearing as two candles, each of their tooked heads plumes steam. Outside the snow has grown. It hasn't stopped for three days. No one is safe from the vastness of the snow's reach. Flakes big as cars, land fast enough to obscure entire windshields. The rate at which the snow falls breaks records. Motorists have to get out at red lights in order to clear piles of snow from the hood. The snow removal crews run round the clock, shaving the sidewalks and clearing the main arteries so that the margins of boulevards stand 10 foot high with walls of snow. Mazing a new labyrinthine snow world Pedestrians burrow their necessary passages. Alleys, which appear to have been plowed smooth, lay in wait like so many subcompact booby traps. One such vehicle whines, wheels spinning, smoking its transmission. Mook finds it amusing and wonders if these drivers assume their car will float above the snow peninsula because they have made their monthly payments. He wonders if these so-called drivers have any idea how close the bottom of their car rides over the ground. Do they understand that the wheels need to touch the terrain? Can such people be trusted with bicycles, never mind cars?